This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, July 2nd, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton. Teamed up with a guy who has aspirations of becoming the hot dog eating champion of the world, Jerem Jordan. That's never looked appealing. There's a 30 for 30 where they dive into uh, you know Joey Chestnut and the hot dog eating contest. So I, I, I looked this morning. Apparently they're still doing it uh, this weekend, so that's cool. Our guy Adam Amin used to be on the call for that. He's now gone to Fox, so he's not going to. So uh, I typically don't watch it. Because I made the huge mistake of watching that 30 for 30 during lunch one oh time. Oh. Not awesome, okay? Um, competitive eating, hey, props to those guys. That's crazy. I, didn't, I think when the world was created, was that a thought that would ha- Hey, and guess how crazy it gets. They're going to eat competitively. It, and that's, a, that's like the most American thing of all time. Because, unfortunately, hunger is an issue for some people. And now we have people eating for fun. You know what I mean? I, I wish we could make sure we cover both ends of the spectrum. There. Is it fun? It doesn't look fun to me when I'm watching them dip hot dogs in cups of water and just shovel it into their mouths. Like it, it just is then, so then, unappealing. Then why do it? Exactly because, because competing. That's the competition why? that's fun. I think right. People watch apparently. Well, it's like Jared Ward when he we said we're like. So do you like you know the marathons? Like, no, I hate it. Like wait what? <laughs> What are you You're doing? You're one of the best in the oh, world. What are, you, what are you doing? But it's that competitive drive, that, that sure. uh, ability to you know, be faster than somebody else that uh, drives them. Now, I can get on board for that. When it comes to I can eat more hot dogs than you yeah, in an hour's time. I've never felt like I needed to compete in eating. That's never crossed my mind, man. No, thank you. <laughs> Good luck to Joey Chestnut this year yeah. if he's still doing it. American hero. Uh, and, and you're right. I'm just sad that Adam Amin is not calling the hot dog eating contest, yeah. but he's on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Now, here's what we are calling on today's show, beginning with BYU football's best achievement in nine years of independence. Jerem, what is it? What is the greatest achievement in nine years of independence? Plus the top 10 BYU football players of the independent era and How about this? Head basketball coach Mark Pope will join us to discuss his newly modified roster and the addition of yet another four-star recruit. Is he on board with Yoli Child's hot take that this team could be better than last year's? Yeah, playing with pressure. Uh, I I don't want to leave out this. Deep blue with one of Coach Pope's returning veterans, Connor Harding. It's a loaded Thursday show, and here are your BYUSN headlines. Thursday, University of Arizona President Robert Robbins said if he, had, if he had to decide right now, the university won't reopen for on-campus classes because COVID-19 cases are rising too quickly in that state. And USC announces this week they will have almost all undergraduate classes online. Previously, they had planned on in-person classes to begin in August. We've sort of connected the dots, uh, most of us, with... If the students aren't in school, will that team field a football team? Would that make sense? You could certainly say that you will, and then they just take online classes, right? Which is kind of what happened later in the winter semester, although they didn't compete. But uh, I'm interested to see that because BYU plays three Pac-12 schools, one of which is in Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Stanford. 
if California as a state is going to go that direction and perhaps Arizona, that affects BYU in a major way. And we are nine days until the start, sorry, nine weeks until the start of the college football season. Now, we as a society are gathering more and more information about COVID-19, which is great, and hopefully pushing towards a vaccine. But if a vaccine doesn't happen anytime soon, I want more information to the tune of, okay, these are positive cases, but we don't hear how many of these are asymptomatic or how many of these are not experiencing significant conditions. It's, a, it's like a mic drop. You hear, oh, you're positive, but we don't hear anything to, after that. To me, the point is how many people are dying, right? Exactly. Is, isn't that the end game here? Well, we want to know. You're trying to limit that. Right? So yeah. numbers go up, but what are the numbers with the worst possible outcome? We don't, we don't hear, we're not hearing enough about that. Anyway, uh, as we move on, BYU Golf continues their very busy summer, especially the alumni. Daniel Summer is still on a hot streak. His fifth straight round shooting in the 60s after a three under 69 on Wednesday at the TPC Colorado Championship, part of the Corn Ferry Tour. Apparently, he's not retiring just yet. Summer Hayes will keep you updated. And how about the other alumni BYU notables? Mike Weir finished yesterday tied for 99th at two over par. He has now worked his way into a tie for 31st place at two under through nine holes today. Patrick Fishburne finished tied for 26th. He's tied for 13th. Off to a good start today at three under on the day through four holes. What a start. On the PGA Tour, Peter Quest, Zach Blair, and Tony Finau will all play in the Rocket Mortgage Classic at the Detroit Golf Club. Finau right now, early in his round, is one under through 16. Blair finished uh, the course tied for 27th at two under, and Peter Quest tees off at 1.50 p.m. Eastern. The Athletic produced a list of the top 25 most dominant programs in college football the last 50 years. BYU is in the next 10. The Cougars own the one and only non-Power 5 national title in the last 75 years. Baseball news. The new Utah College League began last night and will run through August 13th, featuring players from all of the in-state college programs including 20 BYU baseball players. You can listen more than the 20, I should say. You can listen every Monday and Wednesday at 10 Eastern on BYUcougars.com and the app to follow those featured Batcats. Saturday's Game of the Week at 1 p.m. can be heard on BYU Radio 107.9 FM and Sirius XM 143 Live Sports on BYU Radio. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. I can't believe we are almost a decade into the BYU football independence era, yet here I can. we it's are. It's been a long time. Nine years, to be <laughs> exact, and it was nine years as of June 30th that BYU went officially independent. Jerem, nine years later, what is the greatest achievement for BYU football in its independence era? I wish it was a season in which BYU finished in the top 25 and had a notable record. BYU has yet to get to double digits outside of 2011 when they were unranked in the AP poll and ranked in the uh, USA Today Coaches Bowl because USC was ineligible. I wish it was that dramatic, amazing last-second win against Utah, but it's not. So I think it's big wins uh, on ESPN. Those have been highlights, right? I wish... We were talking about the marriage and not a couple of dates, uh, but here we are. The couple of that stick out, 2013 and 14 against Texas, fantastic, right? 2014 and 15, first couple games were amazing. 14, BYU's 4-0 and ranked 19th, and things are going well. Taysom Mill breaks the leg. BYU loses to Utah State and loses that game in the next three as well. Uh, two Hail Marys, that was fun, right? 14 and 15, uh, 2019 winning 
three top 35 FPI games. My Skycam was here. It was so nice. Uh, th- those, are some great, those are some great wins. There's been some notable wins. I just wish it was a season that mattered. I wish it was uh, a win over the rival Utah, right? So I'm, I'm disappointed that it's not either of those things, which I can't believe in independence and the history of the show. BYU hasn't beaten Utah. I'm just not over that. But uh, some of those games have been awesome, and they've been on a national stage. Those have been great. I'm going to begin my answer with a soundbite from BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo on the day that BYU made it official that they were going independent. Listen to this. Much has been discussed about why we've been studying a change in our conference affiliation. It comes down to two pillars, access and exposure. Being independent increases access to our national following of fans. Every home football game and men's basketball game will now be carried nationally. And we will be free to broadcast our Olympic sports games as we desire, as often as we please. Two, being independent increases the national exposure of our athletic programs. This is a wonderful opportunity to showcase who I feel are the greatest student-athletes in the world. The greatest achievement by BYU football and independence is doing exactly what the program set out to do, which Tom Homo just outlined, access and exposure. BYU wanted that. They got it. After nine years of independence, do fans have greater access to BYU watching BYU live sports? Yes. Has the exposure been better than what BYU experienced in the Mountain West Conference? Yes, BYU has been on ESPN, and to your point, Jerem, they have won some big games with the national spotlight shining very brightly, whether it be on ABC or ESPN or ESPN2. I have a massive issue with this. Okay, I'm just saying they set out, BYU set out for access and exposure. They wanted those things, they have them. To me, they got what they wanted, and that is the greatest achievement of independence. I have a massive issue with this because uh, there was an ass- this is an assumption, but it needs to be said out loud. The greatest achievement needs to be on the field. It needs to be in winning. And if it's not, I think the priorities are messed up. To me, BYU is independent because it wants to be on ESPN. That's the purpose. Access right? and exposure. Because BYU, of course, was burned. You can, the, the, the exposure element is a two-edged sword as well. That people don't talk about. Let's talk about it. Uh, one is, yeah, these amazing wins. But I also remember being embarrassed against Michigan in 2015 and LSU in 2017 and so on. Those are uh, the exposed parts of that, right? And that's the risk you take uh, of being on the national stages. Are you relevant? Are you doing things that matter? And BYU football certainly matters. They d- any- BYU football matters. They do. We want them to be better. Being on ESPN, amazing. It's awesome. You know, winning uh, four, seven, and seven the last three. Not awesome. Not beating Utah. Not awesome. You know, so, but that can change quickly. Like one season of nine wins this year, to me, changes the feeling and the rhetoric. We're in the show me stage of BYU football. The table is set. BYU's got an amazing setup here. Obviously, BYU TV, we benefited in an amazing way. So, I'm, yeah, I'm super happy BYU's on ESPN and BYU TV and whatnot. That's amazing. Uh, and the schedules are better and whatnot. Da, da, da. I just want BYU to win more because then everything else uh, is accentuated in an amazing way as well. So let's, uh, let's win a little more. 
And then uh, it all feels good. Because right now I look back at Independence and I go, ah, we left like this, you know, really, really nice 06 to 09 era of winning and being ranked in the top 25. And I think there was an assumption that that would kind of continue, but it hasn't because the schedules have been a little harder and Utah's program has started to elevate in a way that Taysom Hill had three season ending injuries. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's bigger than just Taysom Hill, right? There's been nine years. That was uh, four years, you know? Um, But to our point, had BYU had one good season, people would feel validated about independence. Just one. Right. Out of, out of nine. And they haven't. And they were pacing for that. Yeah. So, it, so how much do, of a role do unfortunate bad luck injuries play in this? Well, in nine years, that you are what you are. Nine years. You could have had one season with double-digit wins, right? Right. Well, Taysom Hill, if like they had the one in could have not had one of three season-ending injuries, does this change at all? Like, it, it's fickle. It's really fickle. Yeah, there, there have been other quarterbacks in other seasons. <laughs> I Besides under, Taysom Hill that I, didn't produce I understand, but we come back to 2014 and say, if, if. Then BYU I, probably I'm looking has at its validated nine season. years, not one year. Okay, but one you said would validate nine years of independence. One. It would help the feeling. Yes. I, I don't think it completely validates everything. No, but if we had one, we we would, I think we can agree, we would feel We're working in the big yeah. IF. If. <laughs> I, I, Losers I, say if. I know. Yep. And what if BYU opens the season with a win against Utah? Hit it. Countdown to the Utes. 63 days. We're essentially two months away from the scheduled start of the 2020 BYU football season. We still don't know if this is happening and how it's going to work. Well, how will the Pac-12... I I don't feel like it's going to function fully normally. Like, there's no way, right? Right now? It feels weird, you know. Who knows? No one has any answers. No one has any answers. The Pac-12 clearly is at the forefront of, hey, we're going to... We're going to pull things back. This isn't the South, the Southeastern Conference and the ACC where people are, we're going to have in-person classes and we're going to do all this. The governor of, the S, uh, of South Carolina said, we're not going to have college football or high school football this year. There you go. So now that. In the SEC. Who leads, who, who is making these decisions? We've got to follow the government personnel, right? It's, it's... There's no commissioner of college football. That's an issue. Holy cow. All right, our question of the day. What do you think is the greatest achievement in nine years of independence for BYU football? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. On Facebook, Carl Johnson says, Great TV contracts and better national exposure. Now the team needs to show the world what they can do. Yeah, I'm more concerned about whether BYU wins or not. Like, if BYU went undefeated but they weren't on TV, I'd be happier than if they were 6-6 six and six, but every game's on ESPN. You know what I mean? Like, I want BYU to win more than I want anything else. That's an extreme example, but you get my point. Sure. Everybody wants to watch a winner. but I want to win. Everybody wants a winner, but it'd be great to watch a winner. (laughs) Yeah, I want to win more than I want anything else. Coming up, a deep blue on Cougar junior-to-be, Connor Harding. And BYU basketball coach Mark Pope discusses his new-look roster with us and his latest four-star edition. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. There's no day greater than the day we wear tuxedos on BYU Sports Nation. Tomorrow is a rebroadcast, in case you missed it or you want to watch it again, of the Y Awards on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The best of the best at BYU, athletically, in 2019-2020. And the tuxedos uh, were a little bit different this year. 
uh, if I remember. The I'm not even sure what to call that material. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. It was great. Velour? <laughs> I, I've seen concerts there. I, I don't know. We are live in Studio B, clearly not in tuxedos today. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan, and it is our pleasure to welcome in the head basketball coach at BYU, Mark Pope, one of our favorites. Coach? Are you in a tuxedo? Great no. to see you, man. Uh, and I hope you don't have to wear a tuxedo anytime soon. I look amazing in a tuxedo, man. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got something for you guys today. Check this out. Oh, oh wow! The light, the light in the office—that is—that wow. is, that is, is that, nice. Is that new? Yeah. Well, no, but I just was sitting on here. You know, we've done so many Zoom calls. Sometimes I get bored, so I just start flashing to see if anybody notices. <laughs> <laughs> I got this incredible little little uh, key fob, right, that turns it on and off. Oh, that's amazing. Do you have? So a- we can- we yeah. can just sit here and just do this for the whole rest of the show, boys. Okay. Well, it is July second. You know, it's getting a little dry here, Mark. We need we need some <laughs> so we need we need some light, some fireworks. Okay. But Lavelle Edwards had uh he had a button under his desk where he could close the door. Remember, yeah. this is the eighties. This is like big time tech, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you the thing is like when when a player walks in and then they you push the button and the door starts to slowly close, they're like, uh oh, this is real. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> Coach, uh, we're stoked about what's happening with BYU basketball, to say the least. Uh, You and your staff have done a remarkable job putting together a very talented roster, and this after losing the likes of Yoli Childs and TJ Haas and Jake Toulson and Zach Sess. I mean, all-time guys at BYU. Um, And most lately, uh, it's Caleb Lohner. So let's start there. Who is Caleb Lohner, and what is he going to bring to BYU basketball that's going to help you in 2020? First of all, I love talking about these all-time guys. Because they're just, I mean, how fun is it to, like, just think about what they did here at BYU? Yoli and Teach and Jake and Dalton, Zach. I mean, it's just, it's just I, I think it does. It brings a smile to, to my face. And I think every BYU fan that loves BYU basketball, right, to think about what those guys accomplished here individually and way more importantly as a team. I mean, how awesome. And then um, it's an impossible task to try and, uh, put together a roster when those guys walk out the door, right? But we're trying, and and uh, you know the the most recent addition is, is Caleb Loner, and he is a uh, this this young man is a really really special individual. Uh, interesting, I don't know him that well yet. Uh, every single day, uh, he was in the office for about a half an hour yesterday, and and uh, I just the more I get to know him, the more I just am like blown away by how fantastic this young man is going to be, uh, he, 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 he rolls, uh, different than just about anybody else in college basketball. Uh, he's going to be so fun on the floor and he's going to be incredibly fun off the floor. And, uh, we're super excited to have him in a BYU Jersey for sure. Certainly with a guy that transfers and you could argue he is or isn't whatever, but he signs with Utah. He doesn't sign with, uh, BYU and your staff out of Wasatch, but then he changes his mind. So, what what changed in this process from perhaps your end? We've we've heard from him, but what changed from BYU's end? Well, it, uh, you know, sometimes you work really, really, really hard in recruiting, and sometimes things just fall out of the sky. And and for us, that was a little bit this case. And um, you know, uh, of course, we've had long conversations with with Caleb since he he. Um, you know, made the change. And so uh, he's been really open and honest with, 
with why, and I'll let him kind of be the one who guides that conversation. But um, I think he's, I think he's really, really excited to be here and 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 be competing with these guys. So we're, we're we we couldn't be more happy to, to have him. I mean, if you get a chance to go on his Instagram and watch some of these extreme sports videos, I mean, he's jumping off cliffs that are nine thousand feet high. That's probably a little bit of an and doing like triple double dipper gainers. I mean, I got to call the diving coach. I got to call coach Brooks and be like, what exactly is that dive? Uh, you know, he's, he's doing tricks on his skateboard. None of which I know the name of, but they look incredible. And, uh, you know, doing flips on a wakeboard. And this guy is, he, 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 I mean, what he can do on a guitar, like, I mean, he just mashing up his, his, his electric guitar and just like, this dude is like incredible. And, uh, and, and we haven't even started talking about his game. So, I mean, he, I, I, you talk about a guy that the BYU fans are just going to fall in love with this. This cat is, is going to be awesome. Coach Mark Pope with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about his game. Where do you envision him making an impact on this roster? What position or positions do you want Caleb Lohner to play? I have no idea. None. <laughs> yes, you he do. Of, he can play a lot of different positions, man. I've seen him. You know, I, I saw him. I was actually uh, in the Wasatch gym last fall trying to put the final touches on recruiting Richie Saunders. And uh, I watched his kid put on a show like I have rarely seen. Um, so uh, I don't know what he did. Hit five or six, seven threes in a row in a really, really competitive gym. The second, second best uh, team in, in high school basketball, give or take last year. And, and uh, you know, I, his last one is like a step back game winner and the ball left his hand and he started walking off the court. Like while the ball is in the air, he called Hibachi. Who is this guy? <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was, I was crying at the time. I was like, how, you know, how do we not get this guy? I mean, uh, he's got an unbelievable competitive spirit, man. When, when he turns it on and, and uh, he is a, uh, he's a beautiful young man. And so he's going to, he's going to be a great addition to this team for sure. Listen, is the roster finalized? It feels like you guys have 29 dudes on the team and we can't wait to watch this roster, but <laughs> is is it? I, and I know there's, uh, you know, one more to announce that we can't mention quite yet. It sounds like, but uh, it, are you still looking for dudes for this next year? Or are you, or are you on the next year? Um. Yeah. No. We're we. You know, recruiting is the lifeblood of, of sports, right? So it's what we do. <laughs> so we are recruiting, uh, but but this roster is, I think, in a pretty good spot right now. And now it's just being excited about getting in the gym together, right? So July twentieth is. Circle July 20th is Christmas morning for us because we actually get a, get a, get on the floor with our guys and actually begin to have some conversations. Uh, we just can't wait, but we you know we feel like this roster has a chance to you know if we can our biggest challenge can we grow together and can these guys play for each other and can they can they follow the lead that was set by this group last year where they care more about each other than themselves and they care more about winning than their individual stats. And the the funny thing about this game, the crazy thing that nobody understands is when you lose yourself in the team, you actually get rewarded individually a hundredfold. And that's, that is just, that's not what the media tells you. And it's not what your, 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 
your people tell you it. it's not it's not the message that's conveyed but it is the truth about this game if you can lose yourself and your team you get rewarded individually and if we can do that this year it's gonna be really fun man we could roll out in waves right now it's gonna be awesome we saw a lot of truth in that team ideology last year between uh, your stars, Yoli Childs, TJ Haas, Jake Toulson, they were at the forefront saying, I don't care who scores 20 points as long as we win as a team. Uh, what's the secret to getting guys uh, that are all capable of going out for big games to buy into that? Well, they just had to believe. Like, you know, it's, it's just a matter of getting to believe. And, and you know, you, you think about all the leadership we had on the team last year. This Jake Toulson was amazing because we're, you know, we're in mid-December and he's putting out games where he's, you know, eight assists, zero turnovers, only getting seven shots, shooting 47% from the three-point line is the best shooter in the country and only getting seven shots. And he's actually cool with it, right? He's just like, let's go. I mean, we're winning. And, and this is why I came here. And, and, um, and, and Jake is being rewarded mightily for that right now also. And um, so when you get guys that can start to believe that, and it starts from a couple of places. One is you, you just start from a backdrop of guys really genuinely loving each other and, um, and then be willing to kind of share the wealth. And then, and then guys actually vibing out on the product, right? Really feeling the product and, and loving that joy. And hopefully we can get there. That's the challenge that every team and every sport in every arena is facing. And uh, hopefully we'll be successful there again. The focus has been on football and the pandemic and how that's hopefully going to work. No one has any actual answers or decisions made, right? But basketball is just around the corner as well. I think we're 131 days from the scheduled start of the season. What discussions are you guys having relative to how that might work in the fall? Uh, We're not really having any. I mean, you know, we have had some scheduling conversations about you know, um, you know, it's a great, it could be a great season to go on the road and play everybody because there's no fans in the gym. So, uh, you know, potentially, um, so, but that's about as in-depth conversation we had about it. Our job is to, is to grow together as a team and, and, and to prepare to have an unbelievable product on the floor and, uh, you know, help these guys chase their dreams as a group and individuals. So, I mean, that, that doesn't change us. The only thing that changes you know, we can't be on the floor on the court now. We can start being on the court on, on July 20th. So, um, you know, we're just uh, 100% focused on that and, and uh, like, really frothing at the mouth, boys. I can't wait, man. I'm so excited. So um, that's, that's where our focus is. July 20th, will that be you can do some five-on-five run, whereas right now is voluntary workouts and very different? Is that what's going to happen? July 20th, we get four hours a week starting July 20th. That goes all the way through till September 29th, which is our first day of practice. So it's a little bit different. Uh, We used to have to shut it down when the guys left school, but we can go straight through. And um, so, so it'll be four hours a week on the court. And then we get four hours a week in the weight room and, and, uh, and then, you know, the guys course will be on a, on a court a, a ton more than that, just doing their individual work, but that's enough. Now, Coach, I want to talk about at least one more individual here because uh, he's a guy that you recruited from Oklahoma State to Utah Valley as a transfer, and now Brandon Averett is at BYU. And speaking of Jake Toulson earlier, Jake said, it's a good thing BYU maybe missed on some of these other guys in the transfer portal because Brandon Averett was the best player on my team at Utah Valley. What can you tell us about Brandon Averett? This, this, Brandon Averett, man, watch out. You guys are going to love this kid. 
I mean, he's a little like he's he's a little jet out there. Uh, he kind of floats around the court. Um, he can exert ball pressure, ninety-seven feet, ninety-four feet, a hundred and twenty-five feet. If you gave him that much court, uh, <laughs> and he's an unbelievable late passer off of ball screens. Incredible keeper dribble alive. Uh, really, really just athletic and fun. Uh, he's, I think every team he's played on, he's been kind of the most beloved universally guy on the team. Uh, he just wants to win and make plays for his teammates. Um, I mean, how, what a, what a blessing it is for us to have him roll in here. And, and, uh, he's going to add a flair. He's, he's really, really quiet. He's incredibly unassuming. Uh, but on the court, man, he is a competitor's competitor. And um, it's going to be fun to, to watch him work his magic. Man, I'm so happy he's in our gym. We got A.B., we got B.A. We, we're calling it the ABBA backcourt. ABBA. You, you cool with that? These dudes are wearing like 70s disco gear to, to class now. It's unbelievable. I walk them through the hall. I don't even recognize them. <laughs> the ABBA backcourt, baby. Coach, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, we appreciate the light switch uh, in back of you. Go, do, go ahead. Do it again. Do it one more time before we go. Okay, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Light it up. It's like it's like a halo behind you. I think this is appropriate given the last name, you know? It's what, it's what we were doing when they when they shut us down completely after the, after the you know, they shut down the <laughs> tournament. We're just sitting here just like, what are we going to do, boys? <laughs> <laughs> Coach, we're stoked for you, man. July 20th, can't get here soon enough. Uh, stay safe. Be healthy. We'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate you guys coming, our guys, man. Special, we got special young men rolling in here. So thanks for thanks for letting the world know. You got it, Mark Pope on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. You got to love Mark Pope. Who doesn't <laughs> like Mark Pope? Like he's awesome, man. His enthusiasm <laughs> is very engaging. Here's the thing. I'm looking at lighting. I'm like, oh, turn it off. We can't see your face now. It's, yeah, it's 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 zooms. The back the backlight's too harsh. Yeah, coming up, the top ten players of Independence. And we go deep blue with one of Mark Pope's veterans, Connor Harding. He's had a big offseason. This is BYU Sports Nation. Summer baseball is on BYU Radio. The new Utah College League began and goes through August 13th. More than 20 BYU players involved with in-state clubs. Listen every Monday and Wednesday, 10 Eastern, on BYUcougars.com and the app. Then Saturday's Game of the Week, 1 Eastern, excuse me, 3 Eastern, uh, can be heard on BYU Radio, 107.9 FM and Sirius XM 143. He is Jeremiah M. Spencer, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Thursday, University of Arizona President Robert Robbins said if he had to decide right now, the university wouldn't reopen for on-campus classes because COVID-19 cases are rising too quickly in that state. USC announces this week as well they will almost uh, have all undergraduate classes online. Previously, the school had planned for in-person classes to begin in August. BYU plays three Pac-12 teams this season, so we'll see what this means. Cougars in the PGA. BYU golf alumnus Daniel Summerhays shot his fifth straight round in the 60s after shooting a three-under par 69 on Wednesday at the TPC Colorado Championship on the Corn Ferry. Put your mask on! Summerhays currently tied for 31st, two-under par. How about his friends from BYU? Mike Weir currently tied for 32nd through 12 holes today. Patrick Fishburn making a push. Tied for second place. He's seven holes into his second round. On the PGA Tour, Jaron, Peter Quest, Zach Blair, and Tony Finau currently playing in the Rocket Mortgage Classic at the Detroit Golf Club. Finau tied for 21st place at three under par. Blair finished his round 
At two under par, tied for 27th, Peter Quest tees off at 150 Eastern. Back to you. Athletics News. The Athletic produced a list of the top 25 most dominant programs in college football in the last 50 years. BYU was in the next 10. Cougars own the one and only non-Power 5 national title in the last 75 years. If Mark Pope were asked about Connor Harding, I'm guessing he would say the following thing. He's unbelievable. This Connor Harding. This Connor Harding is unbelievable, and he is the focus of today's Deep Blue. Do you have the power to rework the past? No. Then I said, learn how to let go. Nobody can rework the past. You can't hang on to that. That's a dangerous thing. You move on. Okay, Grandma. Growing up in Idaho, I was surrounded by a bunch of family, and one that I had a really close relationship to was my grandma. In high school, we had the opportunity to go eat off campus. Freshman year, you know, you want to go out with all your friends, but I had the opportunity to go over to my grandma's house and have a, have a meal with her every day for lunch. And that was from freshman year to senior year, and would do it every single week. Connor took the divorce of his parents very, very seriously. He loved his mother and he loved his dad. And I thought, I have got to zero in on this boy. So I made a point to go to all of his junior high games and sit there and talk to him, maybe take him a little treat. And then when he got in high school and was old enough to drive, I invited him to come every day for lunch. And I thought, this is a time that we can bond. Food is an expression of love. We would seriously just sit down, would eat, and then we'd just talk. We'd just talk about, you know, mostly the gospel, about how I'm doing in life. And she would just sit me down, give me advice, you know, keep me down to earth and to help me, you know, become who I am. Seventh, eighth grade, you know, we said, hey, you need to start practicing more. If you're going to take it serious and be a good basketball player, you have to put in as much gym time as you possibly can. So that's when he decided, you know, should I sleep in every morning or get up and find a gym and get working out? And so he would get up every morning and he would ride the four-wheeler to the church gym. A couple December, January mornings, you know, he looked like the kid off Christmas story. He was uh, all bundled up, four or five coats on, you know, riding down to the gym to get a couple shots up. That's when you started to realize how dedicated he was to basketball and his love and passion for the game. My first one-on-one opponent was my sister, and she was a monster. I'd be driving to the hoop, and she would be bumping me out into the brick wall. I'd be all scraped up, and... You know, I would be playing her, and I'd be, be so close to winning, and I'd lose every single time. And every single time, it was just tears rolling down my eyes, going into my mom, throwing a fit, didn't even want to talk to anyone. I had a competitive nature when I was really young. He would come play with me and our other brother, Jordan, or any of our friends. He was always the youngest brother, so, you know, we'd play winner stays on. If You know, if you lose, you're out. That's when we decided he had to step up his game if he wanted to keep playing with us. They'd beat up on me. They didn't want to lose to little brother. They wanted to show, you know, who's boss in, in the house. I mean, there's a pecking order. I'd say in my house, I'd play him, and 
they'd, they'd kick my butt. And, you know, eventually, like, my dad was like, hey, got to work on this, got to work on that. And I'd go work on it, and then I'd come back, and, you know, different things would work, like up and unders and footwork and different things like that. And, you know, I started to compete with them. And then eventually, you know, I got a little older, got a little stronger, and I started to beat them. You know, playing one-on-one, you know, playing up, I think, you know, that's helped me get to the college level where there's a lot of scheming and game plans, and it comes pretty quick to me to understand the principles. Harding, shimmy shake, baseline, what a move! <laughs> you know, he's been willing to do whatever, right, Coach Pope has asked him to do throughout the year, right, whatever role, whichever guy, you know, we need him to guard. Offensively, you know, how can he best help the team? And, you know, he came in to start this year on fire from the three-point line. The player I see now is, you know, the player we're expecting. He could drive more, he could shoot more, he could do a lot. If you've ever watched him play, he is a total team player. And I said, oh, that's my Connor. We expect him to keep growing and keep being a better basketball player. And this Connor Harding, tough as nails, okay? I mean, he will, he will run through a brick wall, do anything to try and help his team. But I'm here this summer, I happen to look over the railing, and him and Paisley are out there playing one-on-one, and she is kicking his behind. It was a beatdown. Connor has a sweetheart on the women's basketball team. You know, both of them are competing at a very high level. She's helped me through a lot of what's happened on this court. She's going through it. She's been through a lot of different experiences, and she's just been there by my side because you have a lot of ups and downs in basketball where you're like, what am I doing? Why am I here? And she's just there to, to tell me, like, hey, I've been through this, and I just want to tell you, like, a little secret that I did. Don't be afraid to open up. Don't be afraid to voice, you know, your opinion or to be yourself. She'll bring back, like, things that I knew about myself, but at that moment, like, it was not in my head. And so she just helps me keep my identity, and I think that's the most important thing that anyone can do. I think it goes without saying, both Jeremy and I look forward to what Connor Harding is going to do with an expanded role and more shots uh, in the second year of Mark Pope. Yeah, he actually scored fewer points as a sophomore than a freshman uh, by just a couple, but he had a different role. He was a great three-point shooter, and congratulations to he and Paisley Johnson. They were married on May 1st, um, so congratulations to them. I know they're having their Utah reception here uh, coming up soon. So Power congrats. couple. Yeah, seriously. Coming up, the best wear 43 gets paid by this company. And we rank the top 10 BYU football players of the Independence Era. Who didn't make the list? This BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Football Media Day, Monday, July 20th. State of the program kicks things off, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Two-hour BYU Sports Nation, as well as other compelling and rich programming in the afternoon. Put it on your calendar, July 20th on BYU TV and BYU Ready. That's a big day for BYU football and basketball, as we just learned from Mark Pope. Yeah. They resume some type of practice on July 20th, four hours a week of uh, official team activities. 
Uh, we welcome you back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B, and we cannot wait for this next part. You know, cue, well, not. cue the independence music, please. Let's go. This is, this is what we have the budget for is this. The top 10 BYU football players in nine years of independence counting down. Let's go. Beginning at number 10. Johnny Taki Taki. He's in year two with the Cleveland Browns now. We took mostly BYU careers uh, in this. 237 tackles, 32 and a half TFLs, 14 and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, 13 pass breakups. His senior year, he started to play middle linebacker, and he was a force. Tremendous game against Wisconsin in 2018 in that win. At number nine. Kai Nakua, 14 career interceptions for Kai, six picks in each of his last two years. He had three interceptions in the 2015 win over Boise State, and after that game was a Heisman Trophy candidate, according to one random site. But he'd worked, he had such a good game, he was on the Heisman Trophy watch list. Yeah, Kai he, Nakua. he was fun. He Derwin Gray was the end zone. fourth in picks all time, Derwin Gray's fifth, Tom Homo's sixth. How about that? Number. Eight. Mitch Matthews, not a lead. He'd be top three if he Stop was even it. close to that. Uh, 152 catches, 2,083 yards, 24 touchdowns, and one memorable Hail Mary catch. Mitch Matthews was awesome. BYU hasn't had a receiver as good as Mitch Matthews since he left. And I hope that BYU does in the future. He was awesome. Ugh. Number seven, Bronson Kafusi. Bronson Kafusi had 11 sacks. His senior season, and that's what got him drafted in the third round. Bronson, couple of interceptions. He was a tackle for loss machine. Fourth in BYU history, unofficially. I mean, I, I think he's kind of an underappreciated player at BYU. Yeah. Felt yeah. like he was here forever, but he was productive every season he played. Well, he in. was. He played in 13 seasons. Um, <laughs> he blocked a bunch of kicks, by the way. Don't forget that. Six <laughs> pass breakups one season. I mean, he's, yeah. his frame was awesome. Number six, Matt Bushman. He's led BYU in receiving yards the last three seasons. 125 grabs, 1,719 yards, nine touchdowns. And that's without a senior season. He is the only active player on this list, by the way. Spoiler alert. How about a guy that uh, knows a thing or two about leading BYU in receiving yards, not only in seasons, but in a career at number five, Cody Hoffman. Oh, he's awesome. Whenever I think of Cody Hoffman, I just think of a couple of things. One, the incredible catch he made against Georgia Tech well, in 2013. Right catch it on the back end of the ball in the end zone. And his five-touchdown performance against New Mexico State. Some epic touchdown grabs and plays with Riley Nelson, several different quarterbacks. He's the all-time leading receiver in yards, touchdown catches. Cody Hoffman at number five. He's one of the few Power 5 talents wide receiver BYU's had recently. I mean, like, could be on any Power 5. You know what I mean? Number four, Fred Warner. Super Bowl runner-up last year. He's awesome. 264 tackles of BYU, 32 TFLs, six and a half sacks, Woo. three forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, seven picks, two touchdowns, 13 pass breakups. He did, he was uh, he was like the next version of Kyle Van Noy. Didn't quite get to that level at BYU, but in the NFL, Fred is doing great things, and we're like super proud that he's become the starting linebacker on a uh, Super Bowl runner-up now, man. Federico at number four. And how good were the defenses? <laughs> Independence era. The offenses weren't good enough, so the it was eight or nine wins. The defenses are so good. All right, at number three, and here's where we're going to have some people chime in, I'm sure, with opinions. Taysom Hill. Ooh. Now, if, when we were playing the if game earlier in the show. Yeah, it's my favorite game. Taysom Hill stays healthy <laughs> in 2014 or 15, then he's probably higher on this list, but the injuries 
played such a huge role in limiting what he could have done for BYU. We only saw him one full season. And it was his sophomore year, and he ran for 1,300 yards through for 2,900 yards. Amazing! I mean, he almost had a 3,000, uh, 1,000. He almost did. He's so electric. He can score on any play. BYU's teams were so tough. He never got blown out to me, which is a you know three-score loss. Um, he was awesome, dude. The most explosive player on this list for sure. Oh, yeah. Number two, Jamal Williams. The uh, all-time leading rusher, 3,901 yards, 35 touchdowns. Those five touchdowns in this game against Toledo were incredible. 286 yards that night. Jamal was so tough, and he could have left BYU. He could have, but he came back. And he finished what he started in 2016, and BYU had a, a quality nine-win season. He ran for 200-plus in his final collegiate game as BYU became the forever poinsettia champion. Yes, and that's something. That's actually the peak of independence, Spencer, is the forever poinsettia. The no, forever poinsettia championship. Kainakua had an interception in that game to seal the win, by the way. Yes, he did against Josh Allen, starter for the Bills, who are probably going to win that division this year. Let's go. And the number one BYU player of Woo! independence is Kyle Van Noy. Of course. 222 tackles, 62 tackles for loss which is the most in Brigham Young University football history. Two touchdowns. Name them both. Go. Uh, San Jose State and San Diego State. Uh, Utah State is the other one. Oh, uh, not, that's not right. San Jose. Yeah. Wait, wait. Didn't he have three touchdowns then? BYU list two. Did he have three then? I thought he had a pick six Let's, that got returned for a touchdown against San Jose State. Was then it he had scoop one and at, score maybe? Then he won at Utah Let's State. Let's say he had three. Okay. Because he's number three. Okay. Uh, seven picks, 11 forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, 32 qu- quarterback hurries, 17 pass breakups, and 25 sacks. I mean, you could argue that Kyle Van Noy is, uh, you know, he's in the conversation for greatest defensive player in BYU history. I mean, he, he's amazing. Without question. I don't know if he is, but I think he's in the conversation. Kyle Van Noy, number one on our list he's, of the top football players in the independence yeah, era. Yeah, that, that's a fun convo. Best defense player ever, Kyle's in the convo. Definitely. Hey, and I'm trying to think about all the touchdowns he scored because he had the— I can't remember the strip. same as they say. What, 2012, you're saying? Yeah, I think it was his— On the road? Yeah, was that his sophomore junior season? Anyway, uh, he had the strip sack fumble recovery against San Diego State. This is a junior. Then he had the Come pick on. six against San Diego State, right? And you tested and the pick six against Utah. So there are at least three touchdowns. Did he score the touchdown against Ole Miss in He recovers a fumble. In the end zone. Yeah. So that's, that's four. We just named four. You named four. Let's go, man. Okay. Kyle Van Noy. The best to wear 43 is a guy that we know well. Yes. Ah, the Lindbackers. And a rise and shout out. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation continues with a daily reminder. The show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or you can Google BYU Sports Nation podcast to uh, subscribe, rate, and review. That takes us to our best to wear it feature today. We're counting up to 99, one number each show, sometimes two. We're determining the best athlete to wear each number today. The solo number is 43. We, we know this guy pretty well. David Nixon. David Nixon played at BYU in 2003 and then 06 to 08, depending on what his plaque at home says, uh, which is inaccurate. Uh, 275 career tackles, 11 and a half sacks, 43 and a half TFLs, 14 pass breakups, four forced fumbles, three picks. He set a new Mountain West record at the time with those 43 tackles for loss. And look at this pick six against Wyoming in 08. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. David Nixon was sweet. That's why we have him work here. Played in the NFL for four or five years. Uh, recorded 16 tackles, two forced fumbles in the NBA. His sister Emily is married to Taysom Hill. And uh, so David's even more famous now. It's only fitting that number 43 would have 43 and a half tackles for loss, right? I like that. 
how that how that lines up. I like that. Uh, I also like that David was honored, unlike any other BYU linebacker, with uh, a certain memento that he told us about not long ago. <laughs> Listen to this. It says Lindbacker. Um, <laughs> and you played to 09? I thought you played to 08. Yeah, in the top of a year. So. <laughs> Would you play seven seasons? You could, I've, no commas? I tried, tried to go back to Big Hill and get that fixed. We're in the works of doing that. Uh, you know, whatever. So just don't pay attention to the details. Just look <laughs> He's not busy right now. I mean, that can you do it right amazing. now? Lindbacker. I mean, oh, I, yes. All those years, blood, sweat, tears, and I get Lindbacker in the wrong year. <laughs> Number 43, David Nixon, the greatest Lindbacker in BYU history. He's our greatest. That 09 season was amazing, Jim. Oh, if he had been in that 09 season? <laughs> oh. <woo! laughs> that team was good, man. Our question of the day, what is the greatest achievement in nine years of independence for BYU football? Our elite voice of the day. Chance, we decided. Presented by Sundance Mantors, or yeah, forever poinsettia chance. Uh, Troy Sylvester on Facebook says, I think it was and still is the best choice BYU could make financially and for exposure. BYU has some head scratchers and some great wins. Sylvester! If you know, you know. Uh, rise and shout out to uh, these United States of USA, here. baby. Certainly turbulent times, uh, but we're going to figure it out together. Let's go. Uh, and everybody enjoy uh, the 4th of July. Tomorrow, a uh, re-air of the Y Awards, uh, in case you missed it. And uh, have a great weekend. How can you not have a great weekend as this music bed takes you into uh, I don't the rest know. of your Thursday and Friday? Yeah. You know? <laughs> One day we'll update this. We're getting that, that independent money. For the you know? red, white, and blue. <laughs> USA! Let's go, baby. I love, I love the little riff. It has like some, like some funk with it, with like the fife and drum. Yes, go baby. The rising shout out goes to the producer of this song. <laughs> no. Our thanks to today's guest, Mark Pope. He was entertaining as ever. Sorry to Dustin Pitt in no time. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Jason Buck. We'll see you on BYU Sports Nation on Monday.